Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles if you would. I'll just share a few moments with you this morning. Isaiah, the, the 55th chapter. We're going to begin there this morning. Isaiah. And um, we have uh, been doing a series on uh, spiritual authority. And uh, we began teaching on this thing called the law of confession. There are spiritual laws in the Word of God that God enforced for, our, for His glory, for His will, and for our benefit. And, and one of those laws is the law of confession. And we're going to read Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven... And returns not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall, I'll just add this, but it shall produce seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Can I have an amen? That's what the word is. The word of God is your bread. Remember Jesus was called the bread of life in John the 6th chapter? He says, I am the bread of life. And his word is sustenance for your spiritual life. And it's, it, that, he provided that for you. He said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It, my word, shall not return unto me without results. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And everybody say amen to that. So he, the law of confession here is found in Isaiah 55. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void. In the beginning in Genesis, God created what we see, both the worlds, the seen and the unseen world, he created with his word. He decreed what he wanted, and his word didn't return to him with, uh, without results. Hallelujah. It returned, uh, it returned back to him, uh, producing exactly what he willed. He's, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Every prophet in the Old Testament that prophesied under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was releasing the law of confession so that God's will could come to pass, specifically redemption for mankind. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, we discovered that the children of Israel, listen, they may not have realized this, but they actually, they enforced the law of confession, confession to the, in reverse, and the law of confession stopped them from entering the land of promise because they began to murmur and complain about how rough the journey was. Though God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible says in Hebrews 3.19 that unbelief shut them out. Unbelief stopped them from their forward progress when they began to murmur and complain how tough life is. Have you ever done that? And we don't realize just how powerful our words are. And, uh, and every one of us are guilty of decreeing the things that work, are working against us rather than decreeing what God says about us. Amen. There were three laws actually in operation when they were in the wilderness was the law of Genesis, everything produces after its own kind, the law of sowing and reaping, reaping a full return of what you want or don't want in your life, and then the law of confession. Numbers 14, here's what I'm going to prove this about the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with the wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Just stop thinking about that. I will do for you the very things that you have decreed and declared. The things you're confessing, I'll do for you. That wouldn't be good sometimes, would it? If God just simply gave you what you've been decreeing. Come on, everyone. 
But, but again, the law of sowing and reaping is in operation. And Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Don't be deluded. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. So don't be deceived to believe that you can sow corruption and reap everlasting life. That's what he's saying there. And so we have to be smart about what God has established in his word. So the law of confession worked in reverse for the children of Israel, which was never God's plan. Though you may not be aware of this, and you want to write this down, every Every word that you speak contains seed. And when it comes out of your mouth, it's looking for a place to land. I just want you to understand that. It's looking for a place to land. Remember we talked about this? There's nothing new under the sun, meaning uh, everything that you believe, everything you are, your convictions, your ideologies, your behaviors, how you talk, how you act, is just simply a byproduct of the seed that was sown, sown into your life as a young person and as you grew up. And so sometimes we need to, when we, when we get saved, there's some things that need to be changed as far as our thinking. Can I have an amen? And why? Because we've been thinking wrong because someone taught us wrong. In Matthew, the 15th chapter, why don't you turn there, Matthew 15, verse 10, for a moment. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is addressing, listen now, always remember this. When you study the Bible, always tr stop for a moment and, and think about who Jesus is addressing, okay? It's important so that you can interpret the word of God right. And uh, he's addressing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in that, listen, they were more offended uh, about someone not washing their hands before they eat than they were about addressing the uncleanness in their own lives, okay? They were hung up on the external things instead of the internal. And here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear, and, and he said, listen, and try to understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Can anybody relate? Everybody say amen to that. Every one of us can. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. He's just simply saying, it, it, listen, your, your spiritual life, your perception of what God says in his word will be determined by how consistent you are in obedience to it. He said, they have never followed me. So though they think they see, they see nothing. Though they think they hear, they hear nothing as far as the spiritual things of God. But he says it's different for you because he anointed them and blessed them to be able to understand what he was saying. So my question is, what have we been saying lately because someone is listening? And whether it's good or bad, you are guiding those that hear you. You are guiding them with your words. You are guiding their lives, influencing them. And I always think about our children, how we're guiding them by the things that we say. And so we have to be so careful and choose our words wisely. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. And Jesus said, don't you understand? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart and that's what defiles you. We're talking about spiritual authority. You want to operate in the spiritual authority of God? Then you better start speaking like God speaks. Amen. And this is what he's teaching us. 
He says, the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. Now, the word defile in the Greek means to make profane or unclean, to pollute or to contaminate. The word contaminate simply means to cause what was once clean and pure to become unfit for consumption. And how many times through our confession that we're actually contaminating the spiritual life that is within our own families. We have, I mean, this is exactly what Jesus is teaching here. In John, the fourth chapter, it's a beautiful story. I just wanted to tie this together. There's a story about Jesus being compelled to go to a place called Samaria, and we know it's the story of the Samaritan woman. Here's a woman, if you'll study her history, here's a woman that literally, first of all, she was a Samaritan. That means she was a half-breed. That means she was half-Jewish and half-something some, else meaning she, she understood or had insight regarding the covenant of Abraham, but she had no rights to it, I mean, in the natural. And so, and, here, and, and it says that, if you study the story here, that she had obviously had some major hang-ups in her life, some personal issues, like all of us do, and she had actually been married five times and was living with number six. And so, this woman had come to the well just to get some water. And, of course, you know the story. Jesus asked her for water, and then he began to tell her that he was able to give to her the living water to which she would never thirst. And, of course, he, he was talking about the spiritual life of God. The scars of a failed life were evidenced by all who knew her. Her spiritual life was parched by wilderness, and her future was as bleak as the past until Jesus came on the scene. Sounds like our lives, doesn't it? And the Bible says, Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this natural water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And if you're a child of God today, that everlasting life is flowing in you. And if you're not, you'll have opportunity to receive that life here at the end of this message. And listen, over time, yeah, over time, if we don't steward our own hearts as Christians and keep them washed with the water of the word, you'll find it in Ephesians 5, verse 26, we too can become a cesspool of uncleanness and end up poisoning those who are drinking from our wells of influence. That's how that's, uh, these things are so important. You know, I just think about the church and how we should be more mature after 2,000 years, that we should be more fruit-bearing. We need to learn these things. Back to Matthew 15, verse 19. Jesus said, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. So it's not how clean you are outwardly that bears witness of God's presence in your life as much as it is how clean you keep yourself inwardly. I, I do encourage everyone to bathe, though. It's important. Jesus said you're defiled by what comes out of your mouth. So your confession becomes the witness of God's presence in your life or the lack thereof. Your confession, what you simply are saying on a, on a daily basis, especially within your house. You know, when, you, when you're at work and stuff, you can discipline yourself, you know, to be somewhat Christ-like. But when you're in your home and you're exposed to your family, then you simply, sometimes you think you have the right to act ungodly. And Jesus said you don't. So he said the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you're not walking close to God, when, you're, when your um, uh, mind is not being renewed by the word, are, the Bible says are evil thoughts. And I want you to remember this and write it down. 
the, the mind is the gateway to the heart. The heart, according to Proverbs 6, verse 19, uh, the Amplified Translation says your heart is a manu manufacturing center in a literal manufacture, whatever you put in there. Amen. That's why the, uh, the wisest man Solomon said this in Proverbs 4. He says, protect your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. One translation says, protect your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart does. I just want you to understand it. He says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why you need to steward everything that comes into your life and not be careless in regards to your responsibility. And uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, I want to turn there. If you want to turn there to Romans 12, I want to read. Paul addresses this in, in regards to um, uh, the heart and the mind. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1. Paul writing, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. He says, he talks about transformation, and he talks about renewing. The word renew, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when you, when you get saved, something changes on the inside. Your spirit does. But your mind, your soul remains the same. So, very, so therefore, the very thoughts, the very ideologies, convictions, or the lack thereof, the things in your life that you learned are still there. That information is still there. And so Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renew means to renovate. And when you renovate something, you take out the old and you replace it with the new. Amen. Renew your mind. The word transformation is the, where we get the English word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is, really is a supernatural change. A caterpillar, when it is, there's life of a caterpillar, he's crawling on the ground, all right? He's just crawling there. But at one point in its life, instinctively it knows that in, it, it, instinctively, God put that in there, that it knows that if there's going to be a change in its life, that it's going to have to build itself a cocoon, and he has to do it. So instinctively, that's inside of him. Isn't that amazing? So all of a sudden, it takes its time. I don't know how long it takes for it to build itself a cocoon, but it literally builds itself a cocoon, and it's on the inside, completely separated from the world around it. And in that separation comes transformation. And the Apostle Paul was telling us, if you want a life that is God-like, then separation is required. That's why it's important. When I went on the road trucking years ago, I remember I just got saved. I got saved in, in May uh, of 71. 72, I was, I was trucking. God had to get me away from the influence of those guys that I had partied with all the time so that I could grow in Christ and, and have the strength to resist that kind of lifestyle. I had to do it. And so, therefore, it was the best thing that ever happened. I mean, me, that aspect of my, that, he knew what I would need, what I would require, what it was required of me, that I have to be completely separated from that environment. And, of course, when you're, when you're on the road driving truck all over the United States, truly you're separated from that environment. And not only that, I was only 22 years old at that time. Uh, actually, I was 21 at that time. And what helped, what helped was, that, was that God knew that when I got on the road at 21, I needed him. And so every day, and I'm telling you, every day as I was apart from my wife and my six-month-old daughter, 
Every day I was relying on him. Every day. So in that process, even though I was not aware what was going on, I was growing. I was growing spiritually. And I just want to encourage you kids. I mean, you cannot. I'm sorry, you guys. You young people. If you hang around a barnyard, you're going to start to stink like a barnyard. So there has to be some separation if there's going to be a transformation. It just, it is what it is. Because you are not able or, uh, to resist the very things that you practice for so many years unless there's some separation there. And everybody say amen to that. New Living Translation says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, this, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So he wants you to give this, this house to him. Let it be a holy temple unto God. Amen. Holy temple. It's important. And then he goes on and says, don't copy. That means you can. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Raise your hand if your, your thoughts have been changed for a more positive way since you've been saved. Not, you're not all the way there, but it's helped you. Amen. So you can see that, that metamorphosis process is working. The Message Bible I really like, it says, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead of fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Do you know why Christians, do you know why Christian, the Christians that live like the world, do you know why they live like the world? Because they don't have a knowledge of the Word of God. They simply, listen to me, they simply believe that the culture they're in is acceptable to God. That's why Christians live together without getting married. Because that's the culture today. They have sex outside of marriage because that's the culture today. Amen. They drink and party because that's the culture that, that they're in today. But that's not the culture of God. I'm just saying, you just, so when you get into the Word of God and get your mind renewed, you know what happens when you get your mind renewed? Conviction comes inside of your life so that you can make the right choices instead of the wrong ones. I, I just want, how many believe God wants the best for you? He never wants to take something from you. He wants to invest his character inside of your life so that you can become Christ-like to a world that needs Jesus. Whether you realize this or not, Jesus still loves the world. But he needs a light into the world. Amen? Back to Matthew 15. The Message Bible said it's from the heart that we vomit up evil arguments, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, lies, and cussing. That's what pollutes. And it always pollutes the ones closest to you. That's the sad part. So whether it's the character of God or the fallen Adamic nature we all carry, the law of confession will ultimately determine the fruit in your life. Jesus said in the book of Matthew 12, three chapters earlier, here's what he says. A tree is identified by the fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, the fruit will be bad. Amen. I shared this with my, um, I have a guy that comes and mows our yard, and he's got, he had a son with him Friday, and I was sharing some things out of the Bible with him. And I said, you don't have to be convinced. We were simply talking about 
uh, talking about people in the world. I mean, all you got to do is look at the fruit to tell what kind of tree it is. Amen? It's not hard. And so it is with us. We want to be fruit bearers for God so that when people see our lives, they see some stability. They see some reverence. They see some honor, some respect. They see some God-like characteristics in our lives. Come on, everybody. Amen? That's what, that's what brings conviction into their lives. Amen. This is what God needs for, from us. The Bible says, how could evil men like you speak? Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. How could evil men like you speak what is right and good? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person or a God-like person produces God-like things from the treasure of a God-like heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I will tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. You've heard that commercial, what's in your wallet? But most importantly, it's what's in your heart. Because what's in your heart will ultimately come out of your mouth. Message Bible says, let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. Isn't that something? I mean, how important this is that Jesus really, really had to teach on it? Now I'm going to wrap this up in Mark 11. Let's go back to Mark 11, the 22nd verse. Mark 11. Now, in this chapter that we've taught this through the years, in Mark 11, the Bible says that Jesus one day was walking uh, and he saw a fig tree afar off and he was excited when he saw it. Why? Because it had leaves on it. And why was that significant? Because when the leaves were on a fig tree, that meant there was fruit on it. Once the leaves were gone, the, the fruit would fall off the same time the leaves would. So he, saw, he found a tree that was full of lush leaves. And he went up to it to reach for the fruit because he was hungry. And there was no fruit on that tree. It had stopped doing what God created to do, and that's bear fruit. So the Bible says that Jesus cursed the tree. And the Bible says that the disciples heard it. And then there was another thing that Jesus did. That same day, he went into the temple, the synagogue, the place of worship, the place of ministry, the place of the anointing, the place of God's glory, the place of God's name, the place of hope, the place of restoration, the place of healing, the place of strength, the place of spiritual identity. He went there. And the Bible says when he got there, you know the story, that the place was full, had become a place of materialistic uh, materialism, the place of financial exchange, the place of doing natural business, uh, worldly business. And the Bible says he created a whip and he drove out everyone, everything that hindered, everything that didn't represent the anointing, he drove it out of the church or out of the synagogue. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And so he cleansed the temple and he cursed the fig tree. And then the disciples, of course, they recognized that day. The next day, they come back in the morning a few hours later, and they saw, my goodness gracious, the tree is cursed from the very root. I mean, I mean, it was just completely withered. And they were shocked. And Peter, of course, says, Master, look at the tree you cursed. It's withered away. And Jesus said unto them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. What does that mean? Study the Word of God and find out what it says to you in regards to to the character of God and then have faith in God that he will accomplish in your life what he has written in his word. You got to trust him. 
Have faith in God that when you walk in love and you walk in patience and you walk in mercy and compassion, have faith in God that you do your part and God will do his part. Can I have an amen? Have faith in God. Trust God. That's what he's saying. Trust God that when you keep the house clean and you become a house of prayer, hallelujah, that the tree or the branch that you represent in Christ, you begin to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's telling you. So have faith in God. So that was the reason. Then he said unto this, verse 23, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever, oh, he says verily, verily twice, Verily, verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the things he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. I mean, that is a spiritual law. You will have whatever you say. The Lord said this to me, and I, I wrote it down. He said, the mountains of life are not before you as much as they are in you. It can be a mountain of pride, a mountain of rebellion, a mountain of envy, jealousy, strife, anger, whatever the mountain is. He says, you can speak to it, and that mountain will leave. Come on, is that awesome? In other words, the very things that have been so rooted in your life as a child, so rooted in your life, and as you were growing up, those very things that are rooted, you can curse them and command them to wither up and dry, and God will respond to your word, hallelujah, so that you are changed into his image and likeness. Is that awesome or what? No matter how big it is in your life, no matter how big it is, impossible for a mountain to be removed, but not for God. Not for God. Not for God. But you have to trust him, walk with him, and let him do what he does best, and that's change our lives. Amen? I said amen. Jesus said in John 15, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the uh, vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing fruit, he cuts away and trims off and takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. Now, you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word. He said, I've been instructing you, now you're cleansed, which I've given you, the teachings I've discussed with you. Now, dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. I love the amplifier. It says, live in me, and I will live in you, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding or being vitally united to me, the, the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Vitally united to me. That's how you need to walk close to God every day. Listen, kids, you'll never do everything right till Jesus comes. You never will. Uh, th there's not a day that goes by that I don't get up in the morning. I say, God, lamentations. I love lamentations. It says, it says, your mercies are new every morning. Your compassions fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Would you all agree with me just about every morning we need, we need a manifestation of his mercies? About every morning. Amen. Whether you think you need it or not. You say, oh, I, had to, I mean, I had the perfect day. I never sinned at all today. <laughs> I'll stay away from you. Lightning strikes. <laughs> but every day, every day, stay humble before the Lord. Stay broken before the Lord. Stay submitted to him and just acknowledge your need for him. That his mercies are new every morning. And remember... The measure that you give out on a daily basis will be measured to you again. Amen? So the law of confession is working every day in our lives, either for us or against us, all depending on what we are saying. Ephesians 4, we're going to close there. Ephesians 4. Say hallelujah. 
The Apostle Paul is writing to the, 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 new, the newly found church in Ephesus. They're, I mean, they're new Christians. They haven't been saved very long. And, 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 and he's instructing them in regards to the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit or the character of God. In verse 4, Ephesians 4, verse 29, he says this, Don't use foul or abusive language. Now, I remember these epistles or these letters that Paul wrote Every one of them are instructions on how to live as a Christian. How to live. If he wouldn't written these letters, we wouldn't know how to live. We, we wouldn't know. So when Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language, that means obviously they were at that time because they didn't know any difference. Huh? I mean, they were, you know, they were saved, but their, their language, they didn't realize that they had, they had some things they had to correct in their lives. He goes on and says, oh, let me say that don't exercise the law of confession to where it brings the curse into your life instead of the blessing. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Be good and helpful. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31. So get rid of, ah, means they had it. You can't get rid of something unless you first have it. So get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. And again, you do that, you can release those, you release those things out of your confession, right? Every one of those things you express with your words. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as, there it is, or with the same measure of mercy that God through Christ has forgiven you. And then chapter 5, verse 1, the message says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Lift your hand up and give him praise for that. Thank you, God. I give you so much praise for your love. But, of course, he loves us enough to correct us. He goes on, mostly, watch what God does, uh, mostly what God does is love us. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.